where we're going to start here is in chapter 13 of the book of Ezekiel. And let's pray and we will get started. God, we thank you for your word. Lord, we always thank you for your word. God, it is, it is amazing. It's, it's so good. And Lord, this evening, Father, we, we come to you, Lord, and, and, and ask, God, would you, would you open our ears to the things that you want to speak? God, would you, Lord, would you have your way in our hearts tonight? Lord, as we just press into this book, Lord, of um, really difficult things, God, difficult things that you were telling your people, God, I pray, Father, that we wouldn't just look at it and think that um, it was just for them, Lord, but that we would glean those things from it, Lord, that you want us to hear. Lord, that we would learn what to be on the lookout for, God, because God, your word tells us, Lord, that we need to be careful where we stand, lest we fall, God. And so there's not one thing we read in your word, uh, not one failure of your people, not one thing, Lord God, that we come across that we can't look at our own lives and say, oh boy, we, we're just as capable, Father, of falling into the same trap. And so God, as we study your word tonight, I pray, Father, would you open our ears? Would you open our eyes, Lord? And most importantly, God, would you till up the soil of our, of our hearts, Lord God, to be ready for what you want to speak to us, God. I pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. So... Ezekiel chapter 13. You guys, two weeks ago, we looked and saw that God was using Ezekiel two weeks ago to show us what was going to happen to those that were still in Israel, right? Remember that? God used this painful object lesson for those that had already gone through this process. You remember? He told them, man, go into your house, Ezekiel, pack it all up, Dig a hole through the wall, which I'm sure made the Babylonian people where he was living super stoked, right? Like, you're, why are you digging a hole in our wall, right? So then he did that, and he went out through the wall and brought all of his stuff out. And then he would come back in the evening, and he would just do that. And remember, that's what they already had done. They had already been taken captive by the Babylonians. This crew was like the second crew that went out. And so think about this. The pain the emotion that would be attached to God telling him, hey, do this as an example, as a literally like a, a, an object lesson of what is going to happen in Jerusalem to these people. What is going to happen to the rest of the people of Israel? God did this. Why? To try to wake up those that were there already and those that were in Israel that didn't yet realize the reality of their sin. That's why he did it. God then used Ezekiel to disprove the proverb that was common in that day, which was, the days are prolonged and every vision fails. You guys remember that? What were they saying? They're like, you know, Jeremiah, you know, Ezekiel, you idiots keep telling us that this is what's coming, but we're not seeing it. We don't see any of this stuff happening. And so the days are prolonged and your visions are failing. And God was like, oh no, it's not going to go down like that right? That that proverb was going to end, that this was going to become completely false, that God was going to prove that he is God and that they were not going to continue in their sinfulness. And don't we see that stuff today? If Jesus was real, I mean, he said he was coming back over 2,000 years ago. Why is he not back yet? 
Even some Christians are like, man, I don't even know if I understand this whole thing, right? Maybe I'm misunderstanding Revelation entirely because everything I see that he said, he hasn't done yet. Can we trust the fact that God does know what he's talking about? Can we trust the fact that if God said it was going to happen, I believe it's going to happen. Will it look exactly like I think it might? Maybe not. Maybe I'm a little bit off. Maybe I'm a little wrong. But here's what I do know. God knows the day that he's returning. He said he's going to return. He's coming back. I have no doubt about it. And we need to be aware of this because this is happening in the world around us. And Christians, we need to stand firm in God's word, right? Not acting like we have it all figured out because who can? That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying stand firm on the truth of God's word. And when people are like, man, it's been 2,000 years. Why isn't it back yet? Dude, I don't know. I'm not God. But I do know this. God knows when he's coming back right? Do you get my point? So we can stand firm on the truth of God's word without having to know everything about it. We can trust that God knows what he's talking about. So let's start reading. Chapter 13, verse 1 says this, and the word of the Lord came to me saying, son of man, prophesy against the prophets of Israel who prophesy and say to those who prophesy out of their own heart, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, woe to the foolish prophets who follow their own spirit and have seen nothing. O Israel, your prophets are like foxes in the deserts. You have not gone up into the gaps to build a wall for the house of Israel, to stand in battle on the day of the Lord. They have envisioned futility and false divination saying, thus says the Lord, but the Lord has not sent them. Yet they hope and the word, they hope that the word that they're speaking, basically is what he's saying, may be confirmed. Have you not seen a futile vision? And have you not spoken false divination? You say the Lord says, but I haven't spoken. Stop there for a second. So God now calls Ezekiel to prophesy against those prophets of Israel that prophesy. Weird way to say that, isn't it? Ezekiel, prophesy against the prophets to prophesy. What's that saying? Well, the reality is in the Hebrew here, here's kind of what's happening. It's basically a repetition that kind of speaks to this sarcasm that God's using. Do you guys know that God was sarcastic? I love it. It's like my favorite sense of humor, if you guys don't know. It totally is. It's amazing. Sarcasm is awesome. So against those prophets of Israel that prophesy, the repetition basically says that God is saying this. These supposed prophets of Israel that say that they're prophesying, I want you to prophesy against them. It's sarcasm. And so here he is calling these guys out, right? In reality, these false prophets were what? Speaking out of their own hearts. What was Ezekiel and Jeremiah saying? They're like, hey, get right. Change your ways. Figure it out. Repent. You need to come to come to God. What were these false prophets saying? The Babylonians aren't going to be a problem. Right? We looked at it a couple weeks ago. Like we're like good choice meat in the pot. Right? We're protected. We got these walls. Everything about us is good. We're obviously in God's will. They're the ones that weren't. That's why they got taken away. So here we have these guys that are just doing that. And God's saying to Ezekiel, call it out. Call it out. Here they are speaking out of their own hearts, speaking out what they thought the people wanted to hear. 
they were not hearing at all from God. God was using Ezekiel to call these guys out. They were not hearing from God. They were not, but, but you guys get this, right? They, they weren't hearing from God at all, but did you notice they're, they're saying, thus says the Lord. Can I encourage you guys in something? If you don't know that something is coming directly from the Lord, don't say it is. And I'm sure I've had a lot of conversations with pretty much everyone here. And for all those of you that are watching online, if I know you and you've had a talk with me, I, you may have heard me say this. I, I think that the Lord might be saying this and I'm really hesitant. I'm not going to say, and there've been times, and some of you might've heard me when I'm like, no, the Lord's telling me to tell you this. And if I feel that, that strongly, I will say it, but I need to know that I know that I know that the Lord wants me to say that. And how does he do that most of the time? The Lord told me to tell you this, and I read God's word, because that is guaranteed, right? God's word is a guarantee. It's his word, not mine. And if God lays a verse on your heart for somebody, go give it to him and give it to them in confidence, because God is speaking, right? The reality is, though, when we're going and we're like, you know, man, I really feel like the Lord's telling me this, and then you say something, and you're like, deep, deep down, you're like, I don't really know if that's God. Maybe it's just my idea. You need to be very careful with that because that's what they were doing. Not only were they doing that, here's the reality. Some of them may have believed genuinely that they were hearing from the Lord, but they weren't. But there were plenty of others that just didn't, they, didn't, they hadn't even heard anything. They were just saying what people wanted to hear. Why? Well, because it meant financial gain for them. Does this sound familiar at all? The top Eight, I looked it up. Top eight richest pastors in the world. Every one of them, health and wealth pastors. Every one of them, without fail, goes into their congregations, speaks out onto the internet, on TBN, all in all these places, telling everybody, send me money and God's gonna bless you financially. Send me money and God is gonna make you healthy. I don't think that's by mistake because I don't think they're actually aiming towards God at all. I think they're just hearing their own, what they want to hear, and they know that their pockets are being lined. One of the guys, the number one guy, they actually don't know what his worth is, but right outside of his house, he has like four jets that he bought off all these stars, and he's worth almost upwards of a billion dollars. Like, think about that. What person needs that? Right? Like, I'm just saying, like, as a pastor especially, I got problems with that personally. So here we see that that's what was happening. God lays down a couple hard statements that describe the characters of these false prophets. He calls them, he calls them first foxes in the desert. This could also be translated, you guys, jackals in the ruins. Those words also fit in the Hebrew, right? Because sometimes in the Hebrew word, that can kind of mean different things. Jackals in the ruins. What was a jackal? Think about it. What is a jackal? What is a hyena? Scavenger, right? They run in and they attack and they take what wasn't theirs that they didn't have to work for. That's what a jackal does. They're just in there. And what, is it, what are they doing? They're in the ruins of cities. They're in these desert ruins that are out there that are already falling apart. And what are they doing? They're making them worse. 
What's he saying about them? He's saying, look, you're already, your only goal in life is to destroy what is already in tatters. These people of Israel are not following after me. They're following in idolatry. And here you are selling them a bill of goods that isn't true, that isn't from me, saying it is from me. And all you're doing is like destroying what is already in tatters. You're no good. You're of no use. You're a scavenger. You're just looking to to receive from people that are already beat up. God was also saying that these false prophets were cowards. That they would not go into the gaps in the walls like a good soldier would. You guys, think about this. Think about the ancient times and how many movies have you watched, right? Whenever they're there and they're like, hold brothers, hold, hold. (laughs) And then the walls come down, right? Like Lord of the Rings. And what do they do? They all run right into that hole, right? That's what their enemies coming in through the wall and everybody's running out towards it to meet them. What's he saying? You're too big of a coward to go do that. You stand back here and lie to them. You're not telling them that they need to fight for their salvation, that they need to fight basically for their, not salvation, but their righteousness, that they need to fight and say, get rid of these idols and do these things that God was using Ezekiel and Jeremiah and these other people to do. Instead, you're like a coward standing back there and be like, don't go. Nah, you're good. Don't worry about it. That's what he's saying, that they were too cowardly to stand with God and speak truth to those that were obviously already not interested in hearing it. They instead chose to cower and speak lies that tickled people's ears. Verse eight. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, because you have spoken nonsense and envisioned lies, therefore I am indeed against you, says the Lord God. My hand will be against the prophets who envision futility and who divine lies. They shall not be in the assemblies of my people, nor be written in the record of the house of Israel, nor shall they enter into the land of Israel. Then you shall know that I am the Lord God. Do you guys realize what just happened there? So God tells these false prophets that because they're speaking this nonsense, because they're speaking lies, that he was against them and he doesn't just say he's against them. You guys got to understand, what are the three things that he spoke here? He said, you're not going to be part of my assembly. You are no longer a Jew. You have no right to this land. You will be kicked out of your own land. You are not part of us anymore. Right? And the last thing, you're not even going to be able to enter my house. You say you're speaking in the name of the Lord, you will never, ever, ever be part of the Jewish race ever again. You're done. I disown you. That's pretty powerful stuff. It cuts at the very heart of what the people of Israel, especially in this time, viewed as the most important thing. It would be on par with God saying, you're no longer an American. You will no longer step foot in any church ever in America. And I swear to you, you will live in absolute futility out somewhere away from here. Never again will you be part of us. Pretty pretty powerful statement. And can I say to you guys, and I gotta say this, I'm just being real. It's It's never been about our country. 
it was really never even about Israel for them, right? It was about Israel for God, but they took that and they were like, we're, we're the chosen people. God's on our side. We can do whatever we want. God's with us. Does that sound familiar? Because I see that a lot in America, even in the American church. Everything's okay. It's all good. Don't worry about it. God's still with us though, because we're, why? Because we're Americans. That's, what does that even mean? We're Christians because Jesus Christ died. I serve a king and a kingdom. I just so happen to be born American. And I'm glad I am. But God forbid I would ever look at my country and think that it's higher than the church. God forbid I would ever look at my country and think that God's word isn't more important. And I don't care what side of the political aisle you fall on. It's not worth more than God's word. And it's also not worth talking about more than God's word. So let's move on. <laughs> you guys, why did God say that he was going to literally disown these people? Literally just kick them out of their own people group to show everybody that he was the Lord, that he was the Lord. Verse 10, because indeed, because they have seduced my people saying, peace when there is no peace. And one builds a wall and they plaster it with untempered mortar. Say to those who plaster it with untempered mortar that it will fall. There will be flooding rain and you, and you, O great hailstone, shall fall and stormy wind shall tear it down. Surely when the wall has fallen, will it not be said to you, where is the mortar which you plastered it? Therefore, thus says the Lord God, I will cause a stormy wind to break forth in my fury. And there shall be a flooding rain in my anger and great hailstones and fury to consume it. So I will break down the wall you have plastered with untempered mortar and bring it down to the ground so that its foundation will be uncovered. It will fall and you shall be consumed in the midst of it. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. Thus will I accomplish my wrath on the wall and on those who have plastered it with untempered mortar. And I will say to you, the wall is no more, nor those who plastered it. That is the prophets of Israel who prophesy concerning Jerusalem and who see visions of peace for her when there is no peace, says the Lord God. So what's Ezekiel? What's God telling Ezekiel? God's telling Ezekiel to tell them, to tell these people, listen, you're seducing my people into lies. You're seducing them. You're, you're coming at these people and tell them when there's, that there's peace here when it's just not true. And what's he saying? He's like, it's like you're building a wall that is absolutely and utterly unsafe. Think about how they built walls back then. They would just pile rocks, right? They would do different things. What held it all together? The mortar. The mortar is what held the wall up. That's what kind of solidified it and made it safe. What's this word here, this untempered plaster? It's literally, the word means whitewash. It's like the, the water on the top of the plaster that they're grabbing and throwing on the stones and saying like, oh, it's good, it'll stand. That's what he was saying. And he's like, I'm gonna be bringing a rain and it's gonna fall. In my fury, your philosophy, your lies, all the stuff that you've built this precarious wall with saying, oh, everything's peaceful, everything's great, we're good here, don't worry about it. All of this false narrative, this false wall, so to speak, that you've built, I'm gonna bring down. 
And then when it's brought down, everyone's going to be like, what happened? Didn't you put any mortar in this? It wasn't there any truth to anything you said, essentially. And the answer is going to be like, no. And again, I've got to ask you guys, do you not see the correlation to today? How many worldly philosophies? I was just talking to somebody today and they were saying like, you know, like, oh man, you know, I, I, I don't believe in heaven, you know? And then, and then the very next set of words they said, but they also believe that everyone's going to be in heaven. What? You can't not believe in a place, but think everyone's going to be at this fictional place. That, what is that? It doesn't even make sense. And yet people will buy that, but they won't buy the historical fact that Jesus died on the cross and rose again. The truth is, you guys, the truth is under attack. And it's not our job to go out and attack others. It's our job to love. It's our job to go out and just speak truth. It's our job to go out to others and tell them all about Jesus and what he's done in your life. That's what fulfilling the Great Commission is. Go out into all the world and preach the gospel. Jesus died for you. Did you know that? He died for me too. Yeah, I'm a messed up sinner. And so are you. And he loves you anyway. That's it. And so here they were putting this thin veneer of whitewash over these stones that were loosely stacked, expecting this to stand strong. You guys remember earlier that they said, right? Like God said, basically like, man, you're throwing out all these lies and then you're hoping, basically. You're hoping against hope that what you're saying is true. I hear that a lot in the modern church in America. If I have enough faith, God's going to move in this way on me. If I have enough faith, God's going to take care of this bill. If I have enough faith, I'm going to be healed of this cancer. If I have enough faith, this. If I have enough faith, that. You guys, God's word does say if you have enough faith, you can move a mountain. But here's the reality that's kind of missing from that whole equation. If God doesn't want the mountain to move, I don't care how much faith you have. You can have the faith of an entire field of mustard seeds, of mustard trees. You're not moving the mountain. We got to understand that God is sovereign. We've got to. We've got to stop believing these false prophets in the world today, right now, that are telling us that God's arm can be twisted. And they don't sell it like that. They sell it with good religious words. And I don't know why I'm so uh, just fired up about this, but you guys, I think time is short. And what I keep hearing from so many people that are on TV, and I have people come up and be like, well, what do you think about this guy? And I'm like, dude, I think he's a charlatan. What do you think about this person? Nah, I don't know. From what I'm understanding, they don't seem right. And I'm not acting like I have it all right. But one thing I do know is this, Jesus, and I know that he set me free. And that's the only thing I know. And that's the only thing I preach. And I think I stand on pretty good ground, you guys, because that's exactly what Paul said. He said, what did I come to you with? Nothing except Jesus and him crucified. We stand on that. We speak that truth out. We have faith in that, the done, accomplished work of what Jesus has already done in our lives. That's what we've got. That's all we've got. Does God bless us? Absolutely. Does God take away? Yeah, he does. Does God move in our lives in mighty, mighty ways through the most difficult and hard circumstances that we find ourselves in? Yeah, 
Does God work all things together for good? His word tells me he does. Let's not believe the lies of the false prophets of today even that say, obviously you don't have enough faith if you're poor. Obviously, if you're sick, man, something in your life is wrong. You don't have some level of faith. Listen, let's trust God with all that stuff. Let's recognize that the healing we're going to receive in heaven is eternal. Let's also praise him and trust him in all these moments that we're in, whether we're sick, whether we're in need financially, whether something's going on in our family's lives that we're looking at and we're thinking like, man, I don't know what I'm going to do about this. Whether we've lost our job, whether we have a great job, whether everything, can we just give it to God and say, Lord, thank you. And God, I trust you. And God, I'm walking with you through all of this. And Lord, you're going to grow me up in the process of this. To me, you guys, that's a life worth living. That's a gospel that I am like sold out for. Because I trust that God is much, much, much bigger than all of these charlatans and what they're trying to sell me. So, you guys ready? Verse 17. Moreover, likewise, son of man. (laughs) I was looking at chapter 12, sorry. Likewise, son of man, set your face against the daughters of your people who prophesy out of their own heart, prophesy against them and say, thus says the Lord God, woe to the woman, to the women who sew magic charms on their sleeves and make veils for their heads of people of every height to hunt souls. Will you hunt the souls of my people and keep yourself alive? And will you profane me among my people for handfuls of barley and for pieces of bread? killing people who should not die and keeping people alive who should not live by your lying to my people who listen to lies. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, behold, I am against your magic charms by which you hunt souls like they're, uh, they're like birds. I will tear them from your arms and let the souls go, the souls you hunt like birds. I will also tear off your veils and deliver my people out of your hand and they shall no longer be as prey in your hand. Then you shall know that I am the Lord because with lies you have made the heart of the righteous sad whom I have not made sad and you have strengthened the hands of the wicked so that he does not turn from his wicked way to save his life. Therefore, you shall no longer envision futility nor practice divination for I will deliver my people out of your hand and you shall know that I am the Lord. So God switches gears slightly here, right? He tells Ezekiel to stop prophesying against these male prophets now and to prophesy against the female prophetess, prophetesses, right? These women that were probably, you guys, just based on what we're reading here contextually, probably closer to witches than they are actually like Jewish priestesses or prophetesses, right? But the reality is, do you guys see this? We can see how far the people of Israel had gone from Yahweh if they're choosing to listen to people that were mixing all of this stuff all together like a goulash, right? Like they were mixing in like, oh, I'm going to make this charm and I'm going to put this veil on your head and that's going to mean something and this is all going to happen. But guess what? Thus says the Lord. That's a bad combination, right? That's a bad combination, 
The reality is, you guys, the people of Israel held women in higher regard than pretty much every other nation of the time. We see scriptural evidence, instances of women that were used in a massive way for the people of Israel, don't we? You guys remember Deborah? We just went through the book of Judges not long ago. Deborah. Deborah was one of the judges, right? Judges chapter four. We read about Deborah. Isaiah's wife was a prophetess. That's in Isaiah 8.3. Read about that. The four virgin daughters of Philip the evangelist. You guys remember that? That's in Acts 21.9. That's when Paul was making his way into Jerusalem. And then they kept everywhere he went, right? They would, there all these prophets and prophetesses would come out and they'd be like, oh, right? And so like the four virgin daughters of Philip the evangelist went out and they were like, oh, you know, you, can't, you shouldn't go there. And they're saying all these things in the flesh. But then they were like, because God told me. And that was the part that God told him. When you get there, you're gonna, you're gonna suffer. And he did. And then right after that, the other prophet came and took his belt. You remember that? Paul's belt and bound his own hands. And he's like, this is how you're gonna go if you keep going. And so they loved Paul. And so they were kind of like saying like, man, it's not good. But at the same time, Paul knew he had to go. And the, prof- the prophetic word was, you're gonna suffer. And he did. So we see these places where women were not only believed and looked upon in a way that's like, yeah, God's speaking through you, but they were, they were, you know, held up in higher regard. And so this isn't God just coming against women. You guys get that, right? Because a lot of people want to say that like, oh, God's a sexist. No, he created man and woman, right? He created us all. I don't think he's a sexist. The reality is though, these women that we just talked about were being used by God to prophesy and lead by example to what? Towards God, not away from God. Do you get it? It's a pretty clear sign when you're listening to things that they might be saying, thus says the Lord, but then you hear the other words that are coming out of their mouth or you see the actions that they have. And I don't know about y'all, but I've come across people like this that are like, oh yeah, I'm a Christian. And then they get into this weird, wacky angel worship thing or they're dealing with like other stuff that you're like, that's not right. You know, and you're like, that's weird. And they're mixing in like a little bit of Hinduism and, you know, just a little salt and pepper shaker of some other religion and a little bit of Wicca and, you know, and they're kind of like making their own thing. And you're like, no, this is wrong. Just because you're saying Yahweh doesn't mean anything if you're mixing in all this other stuff. Whenever someone is truly seeking the Lord, they're going to lead others to God, not away from. So, These false prophetesses sewed up charms into their sleeves and they wore veils basically during their incantations and their prophecies. And they would give other people's veils so they could go and hunt. And I love how God said it because he said, you're, you're going out and you're hunting souls. What's he saying? You're going and lying to people. You're going and you're telling them like, oh, everything's good. You're good. They're taking payment for things that are so evil because basically what they were doing was when people would come to them and be like, you know what? I want my neighbor killed because I want his land. And they'd be like, oh, I can do that. That's what they were doing. Or they'd be like, man, my grandma's dying. I want you to heal her. I can do that. Thus says the Lord, she'll be healed. I got faith for enough for all of us. That's what they were doing. And God's like, it's not going to keep going. It's not going to happen. And where did the prophecies all come from? Their own hearts. People, you guys, always want to believe that what their heart says is right. Isn't that true? 
What Christian here tonight can honestly look me in the eye and say that they don't fall into the same trap sometimes? I can't say that. There's times when I'm like, this has got to be right, God. This has got to be right. Right? When I was younger and I was dating a girl, I'd be like, it's got to be right. It's got to be right. And then you start reading God's word and you're like, they're not a believer. This ain't right, God. <laughs> right? This ain't right. We're unequally yoked. What about this? Man, you're, you're, you're doing whatever and you're like, man, I, I like the way this feels. Like, I like the way this drug feels. I like the way it feels whenever I get a little tipsy. I like all these other things that are going on in my life. What's wrong with that? There's nothing wrong with this. And then you read God's word and he says, no. And then you've got to decide. Is your heart right? Well, the Bible tells us something about that too. He says our heart is deceitfully wicked. Who can know it? So when we're like, our heart's right, your heart is deceitfully wicked. My heart is deceitfully wicked. I don't even know my own heart. You don't know your heart. So stop lying to yourself. For real. It's a good reminder. And I'm saying this because guys, even now, even now, there's too many Christians that are wrapped up in what they believe politically and their heart says this and that means it's right. No, it doesn't mean that. I have this opinion about COVID and I'm right. No, it doesn't mean you're right. Notice I'm not telling you at all what to think. I don't care. My point is, you guys, can we keep it focused on God's word? Can we keep it focused where it needs to be here, centered on God's word? Because I feel like a lot of this other garbage is going to fall to the wayside. How do you get wrapped up in stuff like that? what we're seeing here? You get wrapped up there because you slowly edge away from his word. You slowly edge away from who God is. And then you find yourself idolizing politics or idolizing your own heart and your opinion on things. And if y'all don't believe me, listen, I follow most of y'all on Facebook. I'm just saying. <laughs> and if you notice, I don't reply on Facebook very often. I'm just being real. There's a lot of stuff going on in today's church that I just feel when I'm looking at Ezekiel and as we've been going through Ezekiel that I'm like, it is just too close to where we are now. And what were the people of Israel going through? They were going through hell. God was putting them literally through horrible, horrendous things. Why? Because he loved them enough to pull them back. And I'm not acting like I'm Ezekiel. And I could even be wrong about some of these things. Seriously, I might be going a little over the top on some of these things, but I'll tell you this. I'm not up here saying, thus says the Lord, but I am saying this. God's word is true, and it never stops being that. And we can't just look at Ezekiel and say, oh, that doesn't apply to us because it happened then. We've got to look at the things around us today and say, Lord, what is happening in my life? Lord, am I more like Ezekiel or more like everybody else? God, am I more hyper-focused on my own comfort and what I want to hear in my ear about how the vaccine is or about my political bend or about whatever and all this other garbage that people always want to talk about? Or am I more worried about, God, what do you want from me? God, what do you want me to do? God, how do you want me to not be divisive in these conversations? And how do you want me to love others? You guys, we, Great Bay Calvary, I don't want that to be true for us. 
I want us as a church to be different. I want us to look at, at people around us and say, I don't care if you're vaccinated or not. I don't care. I love you. Jesus loves you. Let's talk about that. I don't care if you're liberal or if you're a Republican. I don't care about any of it. I care that Jesus loves you. And I care that you know him because time is short. And I don't think people are going to be down here and being like, man, I knew that Pastor Smiley was a Republican or an independent. He had to be one of the two. I knew that Pastor Smiley thought this way about the, I don't think that's really the point. And if that's all anybody knows about me, then I have failed miserably. And what were these prophetesses and prophets known for? Everything's going to be peaceful. Everything's good. And then when it all went the opposite direction, what did they have to do? They had to look at them and be like, you guys lied to us the whole time. You focused on things that weren't true. You said it was from God. You don't see that we in the church have that same power? That we have that same like honest like job to go out into this world and speak truth to people, to tell them that Jesus loves them. You guys, who cares about any of the other garbage that this world is dealing with right now? Seriously. I, if I die, I want people to know that all that mattered in my life was Jesus. Isn't that what you want? No? Yeah, that's all that matters. And so I, I guess my encouragement to you guys, and listen, this isn't even in my notes. This is just me. I feel like the Lord is just impressing upon my heart this idea that like we really need to start checking ourselves in what we're posting on Facebook. We really need to start checking our hearts and our motives about what people are know about us. Not that we're hiding things, but like, do they know where you stand on every issue politically and every issue with the vaccine and every issue about COVID and that's all they know about you? Well, then they know nothing, nothing of eternal value. And it's a little bit disgusting to me because to be honest with you, we have such an important message that needs to be out there and instead we're feeding them garbage. And we do it with righteousness in our hearts because we don't even know the dirty evilness in our own hearts that we think that's more important than Jesus. We think it's more important that you get a vaccine than to know who Jesus is. We think it's more important that you vote for the person I voted for than to know who Jesus is. Get over it. All right, I'm stepping off my soapbox. You guys, this is what the world does. Follow your heart. Do what feels right. You guys, that end result leads to nothing good. It leads to nothing good. You know what it leads to? Narcissism. Because <laughs> you think you're right above God. It leads to selfishness. You start realizing that everyone that doesn't agree with you must suck in some way or another. Sorry, I'm not trying to use that word. But the, that they must obviously have something in their heart that's just wrong or bad. Because obviously, if they didn't, have something wrong or bad, then they would agree with you. Do you realize how selfish that is? How self-centered that is? About an issue that is so personal, like who you voted for, which is nobody's business. About whether or not you took and injected something into your vein, that is not your business. Stay focused on what matters. Stay focused on what Jesus told us to do, which is go and tell others about him. 
And even that decision isn't your business. It's between them and God. I think we take far too much on ourselves. What else does it lead to? Porn addiction, drug addiction, STDs, alcoholism, all sorts of garbage. None of it's good. Following our hearts leads to all these things. And that's exactly what these people were buying into. And yes, I am fired up because I do see the American church buying into so much garbage that's being sold, that's divisive, that's not good, that's not wise, that's not healthy for the body of Christ. And yet we're buying into it, hook, line, and sinker. We're like, ah, I have an opinion and I'm going to tell you. It's like you're being drug away. Stay focused on Jesus. Amen? So, what else was God saying? He was talking about something that's happening a lot today too. He said that you're going around telling people like, oh, you're not going to die. You're not going to die because I have enough faith and so therefore you're not going to die and I'm going to put this charm, I'm going to put this thing on and you're going to be safe. And people were believing that. They were also cursing people that they were going to die and God was saying, look, it's my job to figure out when you die and how you die. It's my job to figure out who lives and who doesn't live. And that's what he's saying. He's like, you're lying to them and tell them they're going to live. If I want them dead, they're dead. You're lying to people and telling you can kill them. If I want them to live, they're going to live. And it's still true today, you guys. And I don't care what bug someone invents or that the world can throw at us. God is still in charge. God knows your final breath. Deal with it. Own it. Know it. We cannot change it. God's got it. His will was going to be accomplished in spite of the lies that they were speaking. That's what he's saying. And here's the deal, you guys. They were receiving payment from people for this. You want your grandma to live? Cool, man. Give me this, and then I'll, I'll make that happen. You want this person dead? Cool. Give me this, and I'll make that happen. And God's like, who are you? You think you got control over this? You don't. Chapter 14. Actually, you know what? Yeah, let's just take a moment. You guys, I'm, I don't know. Forgive me if I've been too harsh tonight. My, I'm just being real with you guys. I look at Facebook and I see things and it breaks my heart. breaks my heart because I'm like, what is the point? And I'm just being real too in the fact that there's times when I've written out these huge replies and I'm like, and, and, and I got to tell you, there are people that I've seen on both sides. That it has nothing to do with where you stand. It's, it's that you're making a stand about something that is so inconsequential. In my, in my own opinion, <laughs> But I also think it's in God's opinion because I don't see anything in here about COVID. I don't, 
I don't see anything in here about Republicans or Democrats. I don't, I don't see anything in here about transgenderism or a lot of things. And what I, what I do see in here is God's grace and mercy poured out on an earth that doesn't deserve it. What I do see in here is a God that says, I have a standard and my standard has been met through the death and resurrection of my son, Jesus. Which means that I look at the standard and I say, yes, homosexuality is wrong. Does that make a homosexual somehow beyond God? Not at all. Not at all. And, and it breaks my heart that we're looking at Ezekiel right now and I see far too many similarities to where we're at today. And then I look on Facebook and I see a lot of comments from a lot of people within this church body that I'm just like, why? That is not the most important point. And I'm not acting like I'm better than everybody else because I've got opinions too. But I do my very best to realize that my opinions don't matter. I could stand up here. I have a pulpit, you guys. I could tell you everything I think. Who cares? What I want to tell you is about Jesus what I want us as a church to be about is about Jesus and only Jesus and not this other nonsense that to be perfectly honest with you by next year this time might not even be in the news. And guess what then? There's gonna be some other thing that the news is dividing us over to fight about. So then the church is gonna be like dividing and fighting over that. Why? We just got the latest flavors of ice cream of the month. That's all. Why would we fall into that trap? I want us to be like Ezekiel. And that is hard, you guys. Because we don't get to just follow our heart. We don't get to just throw our opinion out onto the world of the web all the time and tell everybody what we think about everything. Instead, we hold it back and say, God, give me words or shut my mouth. God, speak through me or tell me not to say anything. God, let me use every conversation as an opportunity to glorify your name, not to share my opinion. I, I'm just saying, you guys, I think that is going to impact the world much, much more than what you feel about a vaccine or what you have an opinion on about how the president's doing. Because what I do see in the Bible for our president, every president that has ever existed, as far as America is concerned, because the Bible was written way before America was even a thought, is that we're supposed to pray for our leaders. Not badmouth them. We're supposed to pray for them. We're supposed to lift them up. Not talk about what we think about them. Not talk about the past presidents either, y'all, because there's plenty of people in our church that do that too. Is that really what you want me to be known for when, when you die? Do you really want to be known that you hated Trump? 
Do you really wanna be known for the fact that Biden was the worst? And you're putting all these uh, chants on that you're finding on, on the news feeds about F Biden and F this and F that. Oh, really? Like I said, you guys, if I'm wrong, forgive me. I just, my heart is breaking over where we are in this country and also, you guys, where we are as the universal church. Because I just, we are all looking around and saying, why are we so anemic? Why don't people want to come to church? Probably because the one thing that makes us different, Jesus is the thing that's the quietest subject that's spoken about on Facebook. The loudest subjects are what everybody else thinks. And you find your little crew and you stick with them and everybody loves you because you're a vaccinator or you're a non-vaxxer or you're a this or you're a that. And what you aren't to everybody else is a Jesus follower. If that starts becoming the most important thing, I know God's word enough to know that his word will not return void. People will say, what do you think about this? Doesn't matter. I, here's what I think about Jesus. I'm really not into this. That's cool. Let's talk about Jesus. I really don't like this president. Well, he's human. He's doing the best he can. Let's talk about Jesus. I hated the last president. He was horrible. Well, he's human too. And he made mistakes. Let's talk about Jesus. He never made mistakes. Do you guys get what I'm getting at? You did not come here tonight to expect a punch in the face. <laughs> guys, I love you. And I do mean that. I love our church body and I love what God's doing. And I don't want us to have to get to a point in the society that we live in here in America that God's gonna tell us, thus says the Lord God, y'all need to change your ways right now because I'm coming back. But yet at the same time, guys, I think that's where we're heading if we don't start as a church fulfilling the Great Commission and going out and telling people about Jesus because that's what our job's always been. It's never not been that. And yet we're filling the air with all these other words that don't matter just like these false prophets and prophetesses were. Talking about what's in our heart. Our heart is deceitfully wicked. Amen? Let's pray. God. Father, if I was in the flesh, forgive me. Lord, and I'm not up here acting like I had some righteous anger because God, I don't even know my own heart. Lord, it felt it rose up in me, God, but I'm not trying to act like I got it all figured out, God, because I don't. And God, I'm looking at this world today and I'm broken by it, God. And Father, I'm asking, Lord, would you just crush this COVID thing, Lord God? We are tired of it, God, and it is just wrapping up all of our conversation, Father God, and it's, it's enrapturing us, Father, in, you know, in all sorts of emotions, God. And God, you see our country. And God, I'm sure we've been in times when, they were, when it's been worse than now. And yet, Lord, for us, right now, we are so divided, God. 
And Lord, whatever that means, however that looks, Lord God, whatever the end result of all that is, Lord God, whether you even have our country around for another hundred years or Lord, whether it's all gonna fall apart, really doesn't change who you are. It changes nothing. And so God, I'm asking for each one that's here, for each one that's online, Lord God, for each one that is gonna listen to this later, Lord God, Father, would you filter out those words, Lord, that I spoke in the flesh, Lord, if there were, if there were any, Lord God. Father, would you, would you give the, just distill down the message that you want spoken out of this whole thing, Lord God, because again, I trust that your word will not return void. And Lord, would you make us, would you make us a people that long for you? Would you make us, Father, a people that are less concerned about the things, the trivial matters of this world, Lord God, and more concerned about people coming to know you? God, would you help us to realize that Facebook has become an idol? Or TikTok? Or Snapchat? Or Twitter? God, would you help us to see whether our own opinions have become an idol? Because God, if the Bible shows us anything, Lord, it shows us that our humanity, Lord, that we as humans want nothing more than basically, Lord, to just hear what we want to hear and to, to be told what we want to hear. And we idolize it, God. Father, I want to hear what you want us to hear. I want to hear your word, God. I want that to be the focus of our lives. I want, Father, your hard truth to break away at this heart of mine, Lord God, that is hard as flint. But God, your word is harder. Lord, I want and desire, Father, for us to be a church that, that just is all about you. God, that the impact that we would make, Lord, has nothing to do with us, but Father, in bringing glory and honor to your name. And Father, being like the, the church in the book of Acts, Lord God, they were in one accord, Lord. They were all in the same car, the same Honda Accord, driving in the same direction, Lord God, and just grabbing people up along the way, stuffing that car full of people. God, I'm asking, Lord, would you make that true of us, Lord God, that we would just be known as a people, Lord God, that love you, that only love you, that are more concerned about you and people knowing you than we are about anything else. God, have your way, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks so much for listening to this message from Great Bay Calvary Church in Dover, New Hampshire. We're so glad you found us. If you want to learn more about our services or need prayer for something going on in your life, come connect with us at greatbaycalvary.com.